and watch our live video feed as we, of course, film, do our simulcast from WCWS Legacy tonight. Please feel free to, of course, to view it. The, of course, as always, the page is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash legacy standing. And then we invite you to just come watch. You might as listen to what we all have to say. And, of course, if you want to chime in on anything we have to talk to talk about as well, of course, you can do it through the live video feed. Just like another one, someone else here in our in our group here, of course, is um, chiming in through that here tonight, which is, of course, the a, another 2016 WWS Hall of Famer. She is the last kicker herself. Miss Anne-Marie Rickenbach has joined us via the live video feed here tonight. But if you want to join us through, of course, other uh, the other way through TalkShoot.com, of course, that phone number, as always, is 1-724-444-7444. That call ID is 138-055-POUND. And definitely press that one if you want to chime in on anything we have to talk to, we have, we have to talk about here in the world of wrestling, which, of course, will also include our thoughts and opinions on last night's Monday Night Raw show. Um, and, and, of course, with time allotted, we could have some... Uh, we have a couple of special things going on. We're not sure about that yet, but we'll uh, we'll definitely keep everyone apprised of it here. As of course, as the night progresses, but let's go ahead and get things rocking and rolling here with our wrestling news and views segment. And of course, coming in here for King Ice here tonight is the Iceman himself, JD Jared D. Drolimo. JD, let's see what we have going on in the wrestling news scene tonight. All right, just a second. I'm pulling it up right now as we speak. How are so bear with me? Okay. First off, however, CM Punk's run on the reality show, The Challenge, begins tonight at 9 p.m. In fact, it's going on right now on NMTV. He, of course, will be one of the celebrity pros, however, that will be uh, competing with Sean Merriman, believe it or not, former NFL superstar, however, as one of the contestants. Meanwhile, however, mind you, however, Raw's viewership this week, however, drew 2.75 million viewers, up from 2.696 the week before, however. Uh, we'll tell you what they did in the hours, however, in just a second. Mind you, so bear with us here. Okay, here we go. The first hour averaged 2.884 million viewers. Hour 2 drew 2.72, and the final hour drew 2.645. The official number has not been notified as far as the rating just as of yet. Meanwhile, Braun Strowman may not be out six months as originally thought. According to a new report, however, we heard earlier today, however, they are now saying he could be out only a couple months and could be back the day after Great Balls of Fire on Monday, July 10th in Houston, the night after Great Balls of Fire, which will be held in Dallas, Texas, of course. The next night, of course, that could begin the build-up, however, between him and Brock Lesnar for SummerSlam sometime in August, but nothing has yet been confirmed to us as of yet. Meanwhile, however, Ty Dillinger and Aiden English have been announced, however, they will be added to the pre-show kickoff matchup this Sunday at Backlash in Chicago, as reported by Renee Young earlier tonight before the SmackDown show went on the air live from Manchester, New Hampshire. And speaking of Manchester, New Hampshire, tonight, however, mind you, two matches that you will see on SmackDown include AJ Styles taking on Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton meeting Baron Corbin, and the return after two months of we're healing up from injury, Rusev will be returning to the show. Meanwhile, however, in 205 Live, however, AJ, excuse me, Austin Aries will be taking on TJP in a rematch from April 19th, however, that happened, mind you, however, as far as the show goes on 205 Live, as that is set for your main event. 
Meanwhile, one more match has been added, however, and now we've got five matches total, however, for the Extreme Rules show that will be coming up a couple weeks on Sunday in Baltimore. Those matches include, however, the Fatal Five-Way, however, that was announced by Kurt Angle last night, in which Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Jinder, or Finn Balor, uh, Bray Wyatt, and Samoa Joe will be competing in to see who will face Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. Also, the tag team title matchup between Seamus and Cesaro will take on, however, the Hardys. Uh, we could have Alexa Bliss. We are going to have Alexa Bliss and Bailey on a kendo stick on a pole match. We will also maybe have Goldust and R-Truth fight each other after what happened last night, in which Goldust went back to being healed for the first time in a long time as he attacked his partner before the end of the evening. Also, however, two more matches have been listed, including the Ambrose and uh, Miz fighting. And once again, for the ice show, but this time, however, there will be a stipulation may be added to the matchup. If Dean does get disqualified, possibly depending on if Kurt Angle, the GM, agrees to this hour, then Miz could become the IC champion for the seventh time. Considering last night he came up a little short in his effort as he uh, was singing a little soprano, and let's just say, uh, came up a little short, if you know what I'm saying, last night. Meanwhile, tragedy fell the wrestling world earlier today. However, as we heard, another member uh, of a famous tag team passed away. Playboy, uh, or Pretty Boy Doug Summers, however, who used to team up with Playboy Buddy Rose and Sherry Martell back in the late 80s in the old AWA territory, apparently passed away last night at the age of 65. As of now, there has been no cause yet found out, however, on what will happen cause of death was, but our thoughts and prayers are with the Summers family. And also, however, believe it or not, good old J.R. Jim Ross is going to be a very busy man this weekend, believe it or not. Friday night, he will be calling the UK special, however, on the WWE Network, live from London. However, they'll be airing at 3 p.m., 8 o'clock, London time, 12 noon, West Coast time. Then on Saturday night, him and McGinnis will team up again to call the big Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne match at NXT Chicago TakeOver this coming weekend. Oh, wow, indeed. Now, I said, you know, really serious enough bringing JR back for another encounter here behind the w, behind the WWE broadcast booth. That's been an absolute long time since we've heard that, and I'm glad to see he's getting a couple more uh, good opportunities here to see by the new generation. That's very good indeed. Very good indeed. Thank you very much, sir. J.D. with J.D. along with King W.O. George T. Smith. If King Ice, you're... you're 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team. They bring you all the news that fits print here each and every night right here on the shows of the radio network. And of course, if it doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. And of course, in, of course, in good old GTS's case, is, is of course, he's got the ultimate method right here. Of course, you can't beat this combination of super glue and duct tape. Cannot beat it whatsoever. Let's see what John has on tap here in our wrestling history and birthdays here tonight. And he's got a bunch, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a lot, uh, <coughs> a lot to talk about here tonight. So let's go ahead and get things rocking and rolling here with this. Uh, for, of course, today, May the 16th. 53 years ago today, which would put it at 1964, yes, in Omaha, Nebraska, Vern Gagne won the AWA World Heavyweight title for the seventh time over Mad Dog Bashan. 33 years ago today, which would put it at uh, 1984, yes, actor Andy Kaufman dies of lung cancer in Los Angeles, California. He was only 35 years old. Of course, he was known for his work as 
uh, Vodka Gravis from on the hit TV show Ta- Taxi. Kaufman did, of course, wrestle and call, call, and he also called himself the intergender wrestling champion of the world. We all remember that. And offered $1,000 to any woman who could defeat him wrestling-wise. He is best known for his long feud with Jerry King Waller. He would be the, he would be the subject of a, a biographical film in 1999 called Man on the Moon, which also featured Jerry Lawler. That was a great movie. I did see that. That was good. Jim there was Carrey also J.R. Great, was in that, too. Yes, and uh, and uh, Jim Carrey did a great Andy Kaufman. Yes. A terrific Andy Kaufman. Yes, he did. Paul Giamatti was Bob Samuda. Uh, Courtney Love was uh, Lynn, the girlfriend. And uh, it, had a lot, it actually had a lot of the taxi stars. Judd Hirsch, uh, Jeff Conway, and uh, Mari Lou Henner. That's a great, uh, that, but uh, indeed, indeed, that, like that, that that actually just kind of caught the uh, caught the essence of the whole thing. I mean, they wanted to make sure they get that right and all that to tell that to tell that story the way it needed to be. And that was a great movie. That was a terrific movie. I love the song by REM. That was a great song. Man too. on the Moon. Yes. Yes, and of course, that, that, that was. You know, I, I love all the wrestling references that. Uh, it was it Michael Stipe of REM made in that song? That was, mm-hmm. that was awesome. I love that song. That's a great song. 30 years ago today, put it back in 1987 in Atlanta, Georgia. The Midnight Express defeated the team of Ronnie Garvin and Barry Windham to win the vacated NWA United States Tag Team titles. 19 years ago today, which would put it at, uh, I want to say 1988. Yeah. No, 98. 98. I'm sorry, 98. <coughs> ECW presented a matter of respect, 98, from the ECW arena in Philadelphia. The main event featured a stairway to hell match in where Spike Dudley, the Sandman, and Tommy Dreamer defeated the Dudley boys. Uh, 18 years ago today, which was put it at um, uh, 1999, I do believe. Yes. Yeah, that's right. WWE presented No Mercy from the Manchester Evening News Arena in Manchester, England. The UK exclusive event would not be released for North American audiences until January the 4th, 2000, more than six months after the event took place. Which is quite interesting. Mm. <laughs> the European Championship was brought back for one night. It was Shane McMahon taking on X-Pac in a WrestleMania 15 rematch with, with Shane winning the match. Also featured a triple threat battle between Triple H, The Undertaker, and Steve Austin for the WWF, for the WWF title, with Austin winning, that, Austin winning the belt. The same day in ECW at Hardcore Heaven, Taz defended his title and successfully retained it twice against Chris Candido and Bubba Ray Dudley. 17 years ago today, we put it at 2000, at a SmackDown taping in Detroit. Now, you're going to find this pretty interesting, J.D., Gerald Briscoe, yes, that Gerald Briscoe, defeated Crash Holly to win the WWF Hardcore title. One of McMahon's stooges finally was able to capture the belt, but another McMahon stooge would follow a month later, and that was Pat Patterson, after Briscoe had won the belt back from Crash Holly just days before King of the Ring. Patterson took advantage of the 24-7 situation, and he, too, also won the Hardcore title. Huh, that isn't... I never seen Bristol hold. I never knew Pat Patterson did. Huh. Anyway, 15 years ago today we put it at 2002, and this is a little bit of a sad moment here. And I'm doing my best to pronounce this. This is a Japanese superstar, apparently. 
Shoiki Arai, that's how I'm going to pronounce it, uh, was found dead in Mizumoto Park in Tokyo. He hung himself with a tie around his neck. Ooh. He was only 35 years old. Who is this? This is a Japanese superstar who committed suicide. Shoiki Arai. Oh, okay. Back in 2002, he died. He died. He was only 35. He hung himself with a tie around his neck. Ooh. That is sad when they do that. Very sad. Uh, 13 years ago today, put in 2004, WWE presented Judgment Day from the Staples Center in Los Angeles. 18,722 were in attendance, with 235,000 homes watching on pay-per-view down from 315,000 homes for the 2003 show, and here is the card. At pre-show match, you Mark Jindrak defeated Sumaki. And here are the matches that took place for the actual event. <coughs> the team of RVD and Rey Mysterio defeated the Dudley Boys. Tori Wilson, ay 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 defeated Don Marie, double ay 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 Mordecai made his pay-per-view debut by defeating Scotty Tuhati. The team of Charlie Haas and Rico retained the tag team titles over Hardcore Holly and Billy Gunn. Chavo Guerrero defeated Jacqueline to win the Cruiserweight title. John Cena defeated Renee Dupree to retain the U.S. title. The Undertaker defeated Booker T. And JBL defeated Eddie Guerrero by DQ. This main event right here was noted for Guerrero lacerating himself a little too much following a chair shot with Guerrero bleeding badly from his forehead. Woohoo. Six years ago today, we put it at 2011, TNA rebranded the weekly television show as Impact Wrestling using the tagline, Wrestling Matters Again. It included purchasing billboard advertising across the country, including a few in Stanford, Connecticut. Home, of course, of WWE. At the first taping of the rebranding at Universal Orlando, Abyss defeated Kazarian to win the TNA X Division title. <clears throat> Five years ago today, we put it at 2012, Tommaso Chiampa announced via his Twitter that he had been diagnosed with diverticulitis. We have a couple of birthdays here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, 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 run, let's run a couple of those down. Uh, first of all, we have his 43rd birthday for Alexander Wright, or of course, simply known as Alex Wright. Uh, I'm not mistaken, I think in WCW, he was known as Das Wunderkind. Uh, and also Berlin, I think, too. Yeah. I'm not, okay. Also, happy 78th birthday to Johnny Rodriguez, known simply as Johnny Rods, who was a member of the WWE Hall of Fame class in 1996. Best known as a trainer, running a wrestling school and training some of his most famous students, including the Dudley Boys, Matt Stryker, Tommy Dreamer, Taz, and Bill DeMont. His more recent graduates, believe it or not, included Colin Cassidy, hey, a big Cass, and Marty Bell. And apparently seemed to be a female competitor. M-A-R-T-I-B-E-L-L-E. And John says that both the birthdays he's, he's bringing to the table are bittersweet because they were actually, believe it or not, both these both these, these upcoming birthdays 
were at the inaugural WrestleMania on March 31st, 1985. Let's go ahead and read them off here. First off, they would have been <clears throat> the 89th birthday of Billy Martin. He played for seven teams in his 11-year career as a player where he was with the New York Yankees, where he won five World Series championships. After four seasons as a coach for the Minnesota Twins in the mid-1960s, he began his managerial career with the Twins in 69. He managed four different teams, but remembered for five stints with the New York Yankees from 1975 to 1988, including winning a World Series in 1977. His vitality on and off the field made him a fan favorite. He was very hated amongst adversaries. In 1986, his number one was retired by the Yankees, and he was the first baseball celebrity to appear at a WrestleMania, serving as, of course, the guest ring announcer for the show's main event. He sadly was killed in a single vehicle accident when he slid off an icy road then a 300-foot embankment near his farm on Christmas Day of 1989. He died at a hospital in Johnson City, New York that evening. He was only 61 years old. He was set to manage the Yankees for a sixth time at the time of his death. And also today would have been the 98th birthday of Liberace, also known as Mr. Showmanship, for his flamboyant performances and lifestyle. His five-decade career included numerous concerts, recordings, televisions, motion pictures, and endorsements. He won two Emmys, six gold albums, and a pair of stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Despite fighting the perception that he was a homosexual, he was the highest-paid entertainer in the world. He starred at WrestleMania as he became the guest timekeeper for the main event, pitting, of course, Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff against Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. The night before, he guest-starred with Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Two years later, tragically on February 4, 1987, just months after his final performance at Radio City Music Hall, and after his television appearance on the Christmas 86 episode of the Oprah Winfrey Show, Liberace passed away of, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, so, so this, this is what he passed away of, cytomegalovirus, an AIDS-related illness. He was the second ma- major celebrity death of HIV AIDS following the media frenzy surrounding the disease of course, after actor Rock Hudson died of it in 1985. But on a positive note, John says he said the best for last, and today is a happy 56th birthday to Charles Wright, who is known to wrestling fans as Kama, Papa Shango, and, yes, the Godfather. And we, have, of course, have some history about him. Of course, he <clears throat> he entered professional wrestling after being noticed, being noticed tending to a bar by wrestlers during the filming of the movie Over the Top. The wrestlers gave him the advice with his large body type and unique look. He should try seeking out Larry Sharp at his monster factory to get into the business. He parlayed his training into a job with Jerry Waller in the USWA. With the gimmick the wrestlers from the bar had given him and took the name The Soul Taker, taken from one of the tattoos on his arm. Even with his admitted skill set, he was given the USWA Unified World Heavyweight title on October 23rd, 1989, and would hold it for two weeks. During his time in the USWA, he also 
He would also tour New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1990. After brief stints in Japan and other American independent promotions, Wright was brought into the WWF at the suggestion of his friend, The Undertaker. He made his first appearance in, on May, in May 1991 at a WWF Superstars of Wrestling taping in Tucson, Arizona. Wright competed there and briefly at, at house shows as Sir Charles, a play on both his real name and the nickname of NBA player Charles Barkley. The character was hardly used and wasn't able to be developed. Even when talking about it later, Wright remembers wearing robes he purchased from another wrestler to the ring. In January 1992, he was repackaged as Papa Shango, a voodoo practitioner with an appearance reminiscent of the Iowa Baron Samiti, that's how I can pronounce it. The character made its debut on the edition of February 8, 1992 of Superstars defeating Dale Wolf. He carried a skull to the ring, billowing smoke, and could control arena lights, allowing for strange goings-on in the ring and later could cast spells to cause opponents pain and to make them vomit from afar. Shango was thrust into the spotlight almost immediately, running in on the Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice main event at WrestleMania 8. Shango missed the cue to run in, hitting the ring late. The plan was supposed to be Sid getting disqualified because of Shango breaking up the pinfall attempt by Hogan after he had hit the big leg drop. However, due to him getting to the ring late, Sid was forced to kick out of the leg drop to save face. Sid's manager, Harvey Whippleman, jumped in on the apron, and the ref signaled for the DQ at that point as Shingle was, was getting to the ring. The Ultimate Warrior returned to the WWF by running to the ring and helping Hogan against Sid and Shango. Let's see, where is it? I just, hold on, I just lost it here. Uh, yeah. After that, Sid and the Warrior were scheduled to feud, but Sid left the WWF after failing a drug test. It was rewritten with Shango instead of Sid, where he would cast voodoo spells on his opponent, despite numerous segments being shown on TV every week, with Warrior vomiting and 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 could not be explained how he was bleeding. The angle went nowhere, as Warrior challenged Randy Savage for the the WWF world title at SummerSlam, apparently forgetting about Shango. Meanwhile, Shango beat Tito Santana in a dark match at the event, Washington was set to have a match with Warrior in November 1992. Warrior was released again from the WWF. However, Shingo would get a WWF title match against Bret Hart, but failed to win it. His final pay-per-view appearance as the Popo Shingo character with the 93 Royal Rumble when he was a number three entrant and was the first man eliminated. He appeared in another pay-per-view dark match against Tito Santana at WrestleMania 9, with Santana getting the victory. Shingo was seen on WWF television following a loss in the 1993 King of the Ring qualifying match. He made a few televised appearances against the enhancement talent in June and July of 1993. The Papa Shingo character was pillared by fans being voted the worst gimmick and the most embarrassing wrestler in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards from 1992. Excuse me, Finn Martin of professional wrestling magazine Power Slam in a 2013 article wrote, Shango and his curses were an embarrassment and, and exhaled loudly each time he appeared on screen. Shango bombed, and deservedly so. At the same time he was wrestling as Papa Shango in the WWF, WWF had a working agreement with USWA. As a part of the agreement, Papa Shango was sent to wrestle in USWA, where he won the unified World Heavyweight title for a second time. Winning the title actually upset him, 
as if it had only done it was only done to sell to the predominantly black crowd. After complaining to management, he dropped the belt to Owen Hart. He left the company soon after and returned to bartending. In 1994, he wrestled a summer tour for Otto Wands uh, Catch Wrestling Association. He had a shot at the CWA World Heavyweight title, but he lost. During the autumn of 94, rumors spread that Papa Shango would be brought back to participate in a storyline involving Bob Backlund. Where in Shango's voodoo spells would explain the traditionally good-natured Backlund's erratic behavior. This never came to partition. Wright returned to the WWF in early 1995 as Kama the Supreme Fighting Machine, and a UFC-inspired shoot fighter. He joined KDBI's Million Dollar Corporation stable. He fitted with The Undertaker in the spring at WrestleMania 11 in The Undertaker's match with King Kong Bundy. Good man reclaimed the urn, but DiBiase sent Kama to snatch the urn away from Paul Bear. Kama kicked Bear in the groin and repossessed the urn, then said that he would melt the urn down and put it in, uh, as a necklace despite his urn being stolen. The Undertaker eventually defeated Bundy uh, and moved on to Kama. At the 1995 King of the Ring, Kama would sign another death sentence as he cost the Undertaker a spot at the finals when Undertaker battled Mabel. In August, he lost a casket match to the Undertaker at SummerSlam, and not only that, he earned as well. He took TV off in the fall of 95, but returned in the 96 Warrior Rumble match. He was one of the final three combatants until being eliminated by Diesel. Wright would leave the company again afterwards. He was asked to return one year later with original plans for him to try to revive the Papa Shango character. Instead, he returned as Kama Nabil under his real name, Kama Mustafa. He was paired into the Nation of Domination, returning on June 16, 1997, defeating The Undertaker in a tag team match. The Nation was an all-black group defeated with the Disciples of Apocalypse and the Los Bariquas. The latter two groups were part of the Nation of Domination at one point, and all three feuded with each other. As part of a gang warfare where the WWF came up came up with Mustafa would eventually be known as the Godfather of the Nation, a moniker that has his official ring name, that was his official ring name in nineteen ninety eight. He stood with the nation when Rocky Maivia became the leader shortly after WrestleMania fourteen. After the group canned the original leader Farouk out. Owen Hart would follow along as well. That same year, he competed in the WWF Brawl for All, which was a voluntary boxing shoot fight competition. It was eventually won by Bart Gunn. In July, he debuted his hose during a tag team match with Nation member Mark Henry as they took on the Legion of Doom. Nation of Domination continued to stay around for the summer and fall in their big, big feud with DX until their split, and where Mark Henry attacked the Rock in October 1998. The Godfather would become a fan favorite with his character surrounded by hoes. He would offer his opponents the right to use his girls for any purpose if they would forfeit the match to him. He teamed up with Val Venus, Mark Henry, and D'Lo Brown throughout between 98 and 2000. In April 1999, he won his first singles title by defeating Goldust to win the Intercontinental title. He was, original, he was Owen Hart's original opponent for the championship at Over the Edge, of course, Hart took a fall when he was performing a stunt as the Blue Blazer. The match was postponed, and Hart, of course, sadly passed away. The Godfather was scheduled to lose the belt to the Blazer that night, but instead, eight days later, after Owen's death, the Godfather lost the title to Jeff Jarrett, who was Owen Hart's tag team partner. In March 2000, he defeated the WWF champion Triple H, 
to the interference of Shane McMahon and Big Show. But that year, the Godfather given it drew the attention. Uh, drew the attention of the PTC, which claimed that WWF and their program was inappropriate for primetime TV. One of the PTC's complaints was its pin gimmick, and during the ensuing controversies, the WWE higher higher ups began imposing restrictions on what he could say and do, hurting his popularity with the WWF being hurt by the PTC's attention. They mocked the controversy, creating the right to censor. A group of wrestlers led by Stephen Richards, the Godfather faced Bull Buchanan, in which he agreed to give up pimping if he lost. The Godfather lost and would be forced to join Bull Buchanan and Stephen Richards as the right to censor. The Godfather would become the good father. Him and Buchanan teamed up to win the WWF Tag Team titles in November of 2000 over the Hardy Boys, but they would lose the titles at Armageddon over Edge and Christian. The right to censor stable disbanded right as the invasion storyline began. Godfather returned for a short revival in 2002 and had claimed to have gone legitimate. He returned in the 2002 Royal Rumble match but was eliminated by Chuck Palumbo and Christian. He was drafted to the SmackDown brand and turned into a heel by dropping the hose and feeding with Val Venus for a short time. In April 2002, he told the fans to stick it after he attacked Val Venus. That got him suspended from May to August of 2002. He reverted back again to the old persona where he interrupted the wedding of Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo. On September 12, 2002, helping the tag team into a meeting that the entire gay marriage was a sham, just an attempt to get media attention. He appeared again the next month on Raw where he offered Jerry Lawler and Stevie Richards a night out with his hoe train to the victor of their match. Lawler won the match. Wright was released from the WWF in December and excuse me, in December in 2002, and retired from pro wrestling. And made some part-time appearances where he appeared as Vengeance in 2005 after interrupting Viscera's marriage proposal to Lillian Garcia in order to show what Viscera would be missing out on if he asked Lillian to marry him. Viscera dumped Garcia for the Godfather's hose. He returned to the ring for five years in July 2007, teaming up with D'Lo Brown again to defeat the, the Blanchards, <clears throat> Jeremy and Bubba. He appeared at the Theodore Long Crystal Marshall wedding ceremony on the SmackDown edition where he tried to convince his buddies Long and Ron Simmons to go back to the old partying days they had after refusing Godfather left the ceremony with his hose train and he was accompanied by every male wrestler in attendance he reappeared again months later during the McMahon family portrait on December 10, 2007, on Raw's 10th anniversary, where he let Hornswoggle join his hoe train. Six years later, he returned to the WWE ring at the 2013 Royal Rumble. Unfortunately, he was eliminated by Dolph Ziggler as soon as he entered the ring. He appeared again on, on, on Old School Night on, in January 2014. In February 2016, it was announced that Wright would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2016 under his Godfather persona. He made some post-retirement appearances and returned to wrestling a few times for one night. For one night appearances in 2009, he joined the Hulkamania Let the Battle Begin tour of Australia, where he used his new ring name, Pimp Faba, F-A-T-H-A. He made two appearances 
in the spring of 2014 for Preston City Wrestling in England as Papa Shango, speaking of the Papa Shango character. He also appeared in June, in June 2016 on a season two episode of WWE Swerve on the network along with the boogeyman pranking people inside a shopping mall. He appears in WWE 2K17 as the DLC under both the Godfather and Papa Shango characters. And then, and of course, John's got here. That's all the history and birthdays that he has there are completed for tonight. So, John, thank you very much for providing that here to us. And J.D., of course, thank you very much for providing us with the news and news for tonight. 1724-444-7444, call ID 138055-POUND. This is episode 333 of the Mothership Broadcast Revolution, of course, from May 16th, 2017. I'm, of course, once again, Mr. W7US, Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you. Joining me at this time is the Iceman, J.D. Jeremy Duolamo, of course, the 2015 and 17 Hall of Famer, and, of course, also part of the team that brings you Raw Radio on Monday afternoons. And also on the chat box tonight, the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, the first 2016 Hall of Famer, and of course, uh, <clears throat> and of course, also another big, another good part of our radio network as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, now go on to our reviews of last night's Monday Night Raw show, which I heard was not back and forth here. And let's go ahead and start with JD. Let's see what he has to say about tonight's last night's Monday Night Raw. Okay, let's see here. What did happen on Raw? Oh, yes, of course, I should know this. Well, obviously, you began the show, of course, with the big announcement that Kurt Angle did announce, however, that there will be a fatal five-way, of course, coming up at Extreme Rules, however, in a few weeks, which will pit, obviously, however, Finn Balor, Roman, Joe, Bray, and Seth. And, of course, they were coming back from their two-week European tour, however, so it seemed like the crowd... uh, compared to last week, was a little bit better, or so we thought. Then, of course, it was announced, however, afterwards, however, as we went to commercial, how Roman and Finn would be facing each other once again, while Seth and Bray would be facing each other, as well as Kurt decided to make those matches happen. From there, we go to the first match, of course, Jeff Hardy with Matt taking on Sheamus and Cesaro. Jeff, of course, did not lose any teeth this week, thankfully, but he did pin Sheamus in eight and a half minutes. This was a good beginning, I did think. Uh, and I still think how Sheamus and Cesaro how are, are going to win the titles off of them at Extreme Rules. I think they kind of uh, got lucky to the Hardys, despite the fact Jeff lost the tooth, however, to payback are that come Extreme Rules, however, that Sheamus and Cesaro will show Extreme how they really are to the Hardys, and I think they're going to take their titles away from them. I hate to say that feeling, unless they're going to keep the bouts on the Hardys until the Revival reunite, however, after, uh, I think it's, Honestly, Dash is coming back from the injury. He should be back pretty soon, however, within the next month or so. I think that might be the case, but if not, I think Sheamus and Cesaro could take the belts off of these guys. Next, we go to Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox with uh, the Brad Maddox wannabe Noam Dar. And he does look like Maddox when you look at him. Uh, last week, of course, we saw Sasha win a questionable decision. This week, Alicia Fox with Brad Maddox 2.0, as I'm going to call him now, did pick up the win against Sasha. Uh, it seems like they got nothing for these two right now at this point, however, obviously. However, I mean, Sasha, I mean, I've been begging and begging and begging for weeks and months and who knows how long, however, on all the shows, 
just turn her heel already. Seriously. I think her babyface character is just running more and more out of steam. I think it's time to turn Sasha into a heel. And as far as Foxy goes, I mean, hopefully they can get something with her soon, however. And I mean real soon. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, obviously, because she's with Brad Maddox. <sighs> Since I'm going to call him Dark Brad Maddox. Now. But like I said, I think it's time for Sasha to go full-blown heel. You have to do something with her. Next, we go to the IC title matchup, which did not was our main event last night. Instead, it started at 9 o'clock. And, of course, you had Dean taking on everyone's favorite crybaby little bitch boy, The Miz, or should I say, The Wiz, with his French poodle dog, if you will, Maurice, in his becking call. Uh, Dean, of course, kicked Miz low, and, of course, got disqualified because of it. But, uh... Maybe that'll serve as a lesson to Miz to shut his pie hole if he knows what's good for him. But, of course, afterward, him and Maurice bitched to Kurt Angle saying, I demand a rematch at Extreme Rules, and that if uh, Dean tries anything again, however, like get the squall, if I should win the IC title. Uh, I kind of went off a little bit on this, however, on Revisited tonight, and I'm going to say it again, however. Miz, we know you're a great heel, okay? We know you have your little barky wife, Maurice, however. Bark, 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 bark like you. Barking orders, however, and you think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You have not proven one damn thing in the past six months except whine and bitch and piss and moan all the time that you're not getting your way. Like at WrestleMania, you didn't think it was fair that John and Nikki beat you and Maurice. You're going over to Raw now, how and you think it's not fair that Dean has the icy town and he's lazy and carefree. What have you done, Miz? You tell me what have you done in the past couple of years. Oh, let me think about it. You become so-called the A-list actor just because you're a big star in the Marine and you have your little wifey poo and everyone else like Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, and Heath Slater be your stars in the movie. Have you won any belts, Miz? Besides that IC title, have you won the big title? Have you won a tag team title? Uh, I think the answer to that is no, you have not. You just continue to whine a bitch and piss them on like a little girl that you are, and you have to have your wife defend you because you don't have the balls to do it yourself, except whine a bitch and piss them on to Daniel Bryan, Shane, and, and uh, Kurt Angle. And, of course, the only people basically are going to be willing to hear your whining is obviously Triple H and Stephanie because you have your mouth on their ass, kissing it every chance you get. So there you go. Speaking of ass-kissing, that leads us to our next thing, Alexa Bliss and Bailey. Uh, as much as I am not an Alexa fan, and I am not an Alexa fan by any means necessary, i got to give the so-called, as she calls herself, the goddess, her due. Uh, they have not done anything with my girl Bailey in a while. They keep pushing her off to the side and pissing on her every chance they get, which is crap. But uh, I like to see Alexa continue to run her mouth for the next little while. I like to see her have the balls to say what she said to Nia Jax. However. She said it as we saw a couple weeks ago. You know, in the ceremony. But obviously, however, apparently, however, she doesn't have the balls or guts to face Nia Jax right now. And speaking of Nia Jax, I'm going to talk about her in a second. But the only other person I could see Alexa maybe get in the ring with and maybe shut her pie hole once and for all maybe could be Asuka, depending on what happens Saturday TakeOver. If Asuka finds a way to lose her streak, and the title, and have Nikki Cross or Ruby Riot take the title off her. That could be a foreseeable few we could see down the road sometime during the summer or maybe sometime before the year's out. But, like I said, i got to give Alexa her credit, but like I said, 
At the same time, she always been saying, "I am the five foot goddess of nothing. I'm so perky and chirpy and happy, how? Because I'm Harley Quinn. I have pigtails, and I'm so happy. I'm the woman's champion." Basically, like I said, a payback a few weeks ago, however, you could have waited till the night after payback, however, to take the title then. But no, WWE panicked like they have been panicking for the last several weeks, however, in their writing team, both on both shows, and they figure, oh, let's give Alexa now her just due because she's so worthy of it, because Bailey's not good enough to hold the belt, however, because she feels the little kids, and the adults, of course, don't... Some adults cheer, but mostly she appeals to the little kids and the underdogs. They figure, oh, let's have the little uh, snobby bitch Charlotte Flair wannabe, Alexa Bliss, steal Bailey's title, which she did. And, of course, she's going to get a lesson dealt to her, I hope, in Extreme Rules. But if not, I have a feeling, like I've said before, either Nia Jax or possibly Asuka is going to shut that little pie hole girl's mouth off eventually if she continues to run her mouth and bad mouth any diva she can because if she thinks she's going to get away with saying some of the stuff she's been saying especially to Nia she better think twice and speaking of Nia that leads me to my next point Nia we understand had a dark match before the show with Dana Brooke earlier in the evening we understand now I heard from my very good friends uh, uh, who was it uh, Wade Keller and Pat McNeil tell me how they heard from the fans last night in New York, however, or not New York, Newark, I should say. Just <laughs> said Newark, not Newark. But uh, Nia was very, very sloppy last night in her match against Dana. And I'm not saying that Nia is altogether sloppy, but if she is, she better get this thing corrected if she's going to get into this program with Alexa. If she does the stuff that she did to Dana last night against Alexa, then it's going to be ugly. It's going to be real ugly, and she could be maybe uh, suspended. She could be uh, maybe fired. She could be even fined. So she better find a way to correct her moves, Howard, and get back on track, Howard. I mean, I know she's a big monster and everything, and they portray her as this big monster he'll want to be, like I said. But if she thinks she's going to pull that crap against Alexa, Howard, and find a way to take the title, she better get her moves corrected quickly because she really was looking sluggish last night against Dana, from what I heard. Now, speaking of sloppy and ridiculous, again, that leads me to my next point. Neville and TJP versus Aries and Galkin. This was a good match, but the story here was a couple of things. First off, apparently, once again, the fans took it upon themselves to hijack the show by tossing beach balls in the crowd during this match. Now, I understand, I think it was this match and also the women's match that they did this, but I think this was the match I heard they did it in. Now, I understand a fan brought in a beach ball and was tossing it around with the fans, and they were hitting it during the match because they were bored by this. I understand you're bored. It's three hours long. How are you not counting the pre-show? Usually, like, an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. So you're sitting through four hours, just about, basically. Um, the thing that, I mean, this was a good match with all four, and Devil and TJP, again, showing true heel tendencies, but I'm just not buying in the whole friendship with Neville and TJ, TJP uh, Neville right now. I'm just not buying into that. I mean, as much as I love Neville's the heel, and he's doing really great, I still think that TJP being his little uh, apprentice, if you will, is just hokey, if you ask me. But getting back to what I was saying about the beach ball incident now. I mean, the fan, I, I would have to say, was wrong in doing this last night. And I understand that fans have been doing this now for the past month, month and a half since WrestleMania. Even before WrestleMania, they've been doing it. I understand your board sitting there and you need some entertainment, however, whenever there's not a match or whether they're in a commercial. 
the fan that did that last night, however, getting tossed out by the security guard, however, I have two sides of the way. This is the way I see it in two sides, however. One, if he pissed off the security guard and kept egging on the security guard all night long just to get under the security guard's skin, then I then that security guard had every reason to toss him out of the building, in my opinion. If he didn't, and he was just being cool and just trying to line up the fans a little bit and having a little bit of fun and not egging on the security guard, then the security guard was wrong in this case. I think he was totally He could have taken the ball away and just warned the fan. So I don't know the whole story by heart yet, but it's one of two scenarios to look at. I mean, I'm going to go with the latter. I would say that the guy last night, Tried to have fun, however, with his friends and the fans in the crowd because they needed something to line up the crowd. And if the security guard was having a bad day, however, took it out on the fan, then that security guard, I hate to say, should be fired or suspended from his job. That was ridiculous what he did. That was just absolutely hokey. Now, as I said earlier, if the guy egged on the security guard and was just trying to piss him off and continue to get under his skin and he was told to stop power, then the guy had a reason to be kicked out of the arena. So we don't know the whole story yet. Uh, next, we had one of the uh, uh, most uh, interesting things of the night when Bailey talked to Kurt Angle. Of course, they set up the kendo stick on a pole match. Then we had our truth and gold dust uh, get into a little segment that was played out later in the evening. Up next was one of the better matches of the night. And this was one of my favorite matches of the evening, Finn Balor and Roman Reigns. Once again, Roman was shit on by the crowd, as you would expect, Howard, being in New Jersey. And, of course, Finn Balor got a pretty decent pop. Uh, these guys, I watched the first time how our fight each other, as you know, last summer back in Pittsburgh, here in Pittsburgh. And they put on a great match. That was the night Finn made his debut, if you remember, and really got over with the fans that night. And I was happy to see Finn make a great splash that night. Uh, you got to give both of these guys a tip of the cap. They fought their ass off for close to 15 minutes. They had the fans hooked. Uh, Balor was sort of like, in this case... Playing the Ricky Steamboat role here last night, he was sort of the underdog that not many people thought would beat the big dog twice in the form of Ric Flair a la Roman Reigns. But again, these two put on a great match with these two, a tip of the cap to both of them. Yes, I was a little cheesed at Roman one, but hey, I'm not too upset, however, because I think Finn Bauer showed once again he has more heart than anyone in the entire roster right now. One of the few guys that has heart, I should say. Next, we go to the whole third hour, however. Now, I'm trying to think what happened next, however, and I can't remember. So let me hold off on that for a few minutes, and I'm going to let John take over with his uh, thing. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I think I have it here. Hold on a second. Oh, wait a minute. I think I had it here. Just give me a second. I'm trying to figure out here. My computer's been acting screwy a little bit lately. So why don't we go to John with his thoughts now, and then come back to me, and I'll give you my third hour assessment then. Okay, J.D., thank you very much, Sarah. Uh, <clears throat> J.D., we'll come back here. Uh, giving his thoughts on the last part of last night's Monday Night Raw. We're going to go ahead and see what the human suppressed machine John Gross has here in terms of his uh, views on last night's Raw. Here we go right here. Let's get to Raw. Uh, Angel comes out and talks about how Strowman would be out of action, so it leaves us with a number one contender. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Can't you talk about a toe? If you hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. John says, of course, he's just kidding. So Angel set up, sets up perhaps one of the one of the, the blockbuster matches that could be the greatest matches ever in Extreme Worlds history. Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Samoa Joe. That's what you call a blockbuster match. And, of course, John puts his stamp on approval on this. Although he does not like Roman, he will say all five men are great main inventors. 
It's really tough to call. But John said he's not voting for Roman. But it's a really tough call to say who would win. And all five start brawling, saying they will win. And Reign stands tall in the ring as usual. So Angle books two great matches, which could also be a blockbusters. Angle definitely used his head last night, and that's why he's done extremely well as as, as a general manager of all. Excuse me, he sets up Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor. John says, now we're talking. Speaking of talking, we kicked off the action with two former WWE champions, Jeff Hardy taking on Sheamus with their respectable partners in their corner. Hardy picks up the victory over Sheamus, so the Hardys pick up some well-done, needed momentum ever since their return to WrestleMania, and they just continue to keep their house of fire going. But John says he was seriously shocked that Alicia defeated Sasha, and that is odd. John was saying last year Sasha had been in Hell in Cell matches, Iron Woman matches, but she gets dropped to Alicia. Alicia hasn't done nothing, has done anything in the last five, in the last year except being beat by Nia Jax. Having an affair with the cruiserweights, Noam Dar included. Miz and Ambrose, like JD just said, did, did they waste it on a TV show? Should have happened for Extreme Rules, but why? Because we want these two to wrestle Extreme Rules for the IC title. Not on TV, but Ambrose was desperate on losing, so he took the way out on hitting Miz with the low blow that got himself DQ'd. But the title cannot change hands on a DQ or countout. They have another segment with Alexa Bliss and Bailey. The fans need to stop saying what to Alexa. Alexa stood tall and hit Bailey with a kendo stick, so it sets up a kendo stick on a pole match. And these ladies should have gone extreme. And they will go extreme, I think, in my That's what Kurt said to Bailey. Can you go extreme, huh? And, and she said, yeah, but like I said, let's see her. And I know John and Michelle and Gerard are all Alexa fans. But as I said, guys, to you three, huh? let's see if she can go extreme with someone like Nia. Let's see if she can go with someone with, like, Asuka. Because I'll tell you right now, if she goes in with Asuka, Asuka will kick her tail. Oh, of course she will. Uh, absolutely. I would definitely agree. Then another Miz segment with Kurt Angle, and Maurice continues to yell at yell French at Angle. And then the Drifter comes up with his guitar, finally to shut up, shut Miz and Maurice up. Oh, Angle I don't know where they're going with that whole thing. That to me is more and more stupider by the week. I mean, they brought this guy in, Elias Sampson. What? Not even during the shakeup a month ago, and all you see every week in the background, he's playing the guitar. And it's the same thing they did with him with the NXT. Send him back or release the sorry SOB. This guy's terrible. All right. Uh, and then the director comes out with his guitar. Finally, shut Miz and Marie's up. Angle tells the director if there's anything he can help him with. The director just keeps on strumming his guitar. <laughs> John says if he's in bed and he hears the director plays, play his guitar at his house, he's calling the sheriff saying there's a strange man in his house playing his guitar. Cruiser White match between Neville and uh, TJP against uh, Austin Aries and uh, Gallagher. Cruiserweights look strong as always before TJP and Neville. They pull a fast one on Aries and Gallagher again. The Golden Truth statement, soap opera with R-Truth and Goldust. Truth said that he let him and Goldust down, but Goldust said it wasn't nonsense, wasn't nonsense that they could start the journey to the top, so they made up. <clears throat> Finn and Roman have the first encounter on the first new wall. What, what can John say? And like he did say, he doesn't like Roman Reigns, but these two can't put on a good match. And this match could have gone either way. It could have been 30 minutes, but Reigns wins. But this match was a good one. 
And John says we get into a creepy Wyatt promo talking about the Fatal Five Way and then Seth Rollins. John definitely thinks a Wyatt versus Lesnar match should happen. Hmm. If it, it could have happened last year, WrestleMania 32 with Wyatt eliminating Lesnar in last year's Rumble, but it didn't. Now they could have a chance to do it again. Then Golden Truth takes on uh, the club, Gallows and Anderson, but Goldust has other plans and turns on our truth and the fans chanted yes and thank you to Goldust. John says he agrees too. Didn't like this team, but it was time for it to bounce. Hmm. Uh, like Goldust said it two years ago, Goldust told our truth as far as I'm concerned, you take your partnership and shove it up your you-know-what. Ooh. Now, that is, in fact, classic Goldust and the classic Goldust we all know and love. Big Cass and Titus O'Neil. John goes, ha-ha. Titus wrestles with his suit, and, of course, Enzo and Apollo are in their respective corners. Big Cass wins as Titus tries to use daddy whipping, daddy belt whipping on kid <clears throat> against uh, Enzo. Then the end, and then Enzo tries to take a selfie with Titus' phone, but Cruz attacks him. Yeah, Enzo, how dumb are you to take a man's phone? Oh, that's right, you're dumb. Because you walked around na- naked months ago in front of Lana. Look what happened there. You got beat up in a hotel room by Rusev. <laughs> Your next dumb mistake was taking a man's phone and trying to take a selfie with it. Bray and Seth, now that's a good main event, first time ever. Hopefully there will be more matches in the future between these two. Samoa Joe shows up, and him and Bray team up to Tad Rollins. Then Bray turns on Joe and his sister Abigail, and for good measure, he gives one to Rollins, shows the concept of every man for himself. But anyway, Raw was very good. The opening segment was amazing. But like he said, the announcement for the five-way match gets John's approval. With these five men in the ring, it's going to be wild, extreme, brutal, and not only that, a demolition derby. John says he John might John says he does that. And John has said that's all John has for his review of Monday Night Raw. John, thank you very much for providing that. Uh, let's see if JT's got uh, anything more about uh, his thoughts about last night's Raw. Okay, I'm back. Uh, yeah, getting to the Golden Truth segment now. Let's get into that now if we can for a minute. I agree with John. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. However, I said it on Revisited tonight. I think it was about time they broke up that team. I mean, our truth more and more does not excite me. He bores me. He puts me to sleep. He makes me want to either grab something to eat or take a steaming piss all over him because he's so terrible with his what's up rap. I mean, that's just, I mean, boring. It's hokey. It's just, yeah. But I'm glad Goldust now, A.K. Dustin, is now showing a more darker, heelish side. I think it's going to work for him. At least I hope it does work for him, however. And they start getting behind him and give him one last big solid push to do something before he calls it a career. I mean, the guy's in his late 40s now. I mean, they've waited so long to turn him heel again. But now they've got to make it a little more edgy, a little more darker, I feel. However, hopefully they start doing that. Last night was the start of it, I feel. Hopefully they don't... Uh, just uh, do this for a few weeks and then say, oh, guess what? This was only a couple weeks, however. We have nothing else for you, however. So uh, we're going to either have to let you go or we just have nothing else for you to do again. And if that's the case, then if they're going to just do this, however, only a few weeks, however, then he just might as well just retire, you know. But if not, they can start getting behind him with a little more darker, edgier persona. I think last night was the start of it and something big. Uh, talking about turning heel uh, here, however, uh, the whole Titus O'Neil, Paul Cruz thing, the Titus brand is more and more getting ridiculous by the week. 
I just wish they would do something else with Apollo Crews rather than crap all over him and fight him with freaking Titus, however. Or as I'm calling him now, if you know the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine on uh, Fox, however, he's sort of like the Terry Jeffords of the WWE. He thinks he's all that because he has all this money, all this fame and wealth, however, and that's fine. But ever since the primetime players split up, what was it, last year or something like that, I mean, we saw Darren Young get hurt, however. He came out, of course, and kudos to him and applause for that, however, because uh, it takes a real, uh, it was guts to do that. But ever since he went with Bob Backlund and Backlund became his trainer like that, however, you thought something was going to happen with those two. Now Darren Young might not be back until maybe the end of the summer, early part of the fall. Uh, they've got to do something with Titus real soon. I'm surprised he hasn't been on the house clean list for a while now, considering after what happened to him last year. Uh, they just continue to bury Titus at every turn. Hope, and they're really starting to more and more bury Apollo Crews, and they got to start getting behind Apollo Crews again. I mean, for a while, it looked like they were going to try to do something with him after bringing him up from NXT. SmackDown, they had something good for him fall, but ever since he came over to Raw, it seems like they've just lost him in the shuffle, and they've really crapped all over him, too. So they have a choice right now. Either send him back to SmackDown, and do something big over there and get into some programs with guys like AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, or whatnot. Or send them back to NXT because they're just completely burying them on Raw. And speaking of buried, Howard, would somebody please, for the love of God, bury the Enzo cast team as well? I mean, I have been waiting to see Cass turn on Enzo for weeks now, just like Sasha, however. And I wish Cass would finally do I wish they would do something with Cass because I think he is tired of bailing Enzo out time and time again, as we saw what happened last night after he used his phone for the selfie after Cass ended up being tight in a very quick match. Uh, so, I mean, they've got to do something with that. Then, of course, they announced, of course, that tonight's 205 Live main event, of course, which was last night, of course, they announced that there will be a double taking on the video game, uh, game, game, um, video game, uh, freak, if you want to call him that, TJP, the, uh, little Mario Brothers of, uh, 205 Live, as I'm calling him. And then, of course, we go to the main event, Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt. This was good, but, of course, it ended thanks to Samoa Joe, Triple H, and Stephanie's, uh, hired Pitbull assassin, bodyguard, bitch boy, comes out and attacks Rollins from behind for the DQ. Then, of course, you saw Joan Wyatt, of course, uh, beat up on Rollins, of course, mind you. And then, of course, Wyatt laid out uh, Joe with uh, basically Wyatt, of course, uh, turned on Joe, which was a surprise to me. Then he, of course, did one to Rollins, of course, afterwards, which was no surprise. Then, of course, he went down on his knees and yelled out, follow the buzzards to close the show. So, Everyone's thinking, however, that Bray Wyatt's going to be once again on top of the ladder, however, as they've lost uh, faith in him the last couple months. They figured now with him on Raw, he could have a chance to go after uh, possibly Brock Lesnar, maybe uh, after winning maybe possibly the five-way at Extreme Rules, however. But we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, last night they picked it up a little bit. They were a little bit better than they have in the last few weeks. Again, we haven't seen the actual number yet, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But, uh like I said, Extreme Rules is in two weeks, however. With Braun out until July or August, they better start uh, quit spinning their wheels in reverse and going backwards. Because more and more, however, ever since the shakeup happened, however, they've been doing a lot of their shows in reverse, however, rather than going ahead. I mean, it seemed like until they went with the shakeup, they were kind of starting to go up. They were up and down, but mostly up for a while. But it seems like ever since the shakeup happened, what, five weeks ago, they've just gone completely backwards more and more. And they better start picking it up again. If not, they're going to be in big, big trouble as the summer goes on. Great review there, J.D. Thank you very much there, sir. And, John, of course, thank you very much as well for providing us your thoughts and opinions 
on last night's Monday Night Raw. Because 1724-444-7444, call ID 138055-POUND. This is episode 333 of the Mothership Broadcast Revolution, of course, for Tuesday, May 16th, 2017. I'm, of course, once again, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you. <coughs> Excuse me. As, of course, once again, we do have the Iceman, J.D. Jared DiGirolamo, a 2015 and 17 Hall of Famer, and, of course, one of the hosts behind Wild Radio every Monday afternoon, and, of course, the human suppress machine, John Gross, the first 2016 <clears throat> uh, Hall of Famer, and, of course, also part of the Wild Radio team every Monday afternoon as well. Also, of course, we do. Uh, I do also want to thank the last kicker, Anne-Marie Rickenbach, for, of course, uh, joining us, of course, through our live video feed here, um, of course, on WWUS Legacy. I said, if you want to join us here, as always, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the web address is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash <clears throat> uh, legacy standing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a real good, uh, I'll go ahead and start, we'll start talking about this course throughout all the week here on all of our shows here in the radio network, as we, of course, have uh, two big-time moments here, of course, this weekend. First off, of course, Saturday night, I do believe at 8 o'clock, as KNWO did mention this last yesterday on Raw Radio, uh, 8 o'clock will be, uh, of course, once again, another edition of WWS Attitude Radio, as I do believe uh, him and you, J.D., King Ice. Yes, we'll be doing takeover from Chicago, yes. Yes, and we, of course, uh, as J.D. did, I mean, GTS did say, he will be, of course, Talking about the, each of the matches and all that, and we'll and, and we'll and we'll be giving his and JD, you'll be getting giving your opinions about each and every match, <clears throat> of course, going on at NXT in Chicago on Saturday night, and then of course here Sunday afternoon at five o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, WWE special edition of WWS Revolution, will be of course our prediction show for WWE Backlash 2017, and of course, like I say, everyone will be giving their thoughts and opinions on each and every match here for Backlash, of course, prior to <clears throat> prior to the beginning of Backlash. And we'll, of course, be letting you and our thoughts and opinions on who we think will win each match. And who knows, we might have a better two popping up, so you never know here within the infamous, infamous panel way too tough to handle Well, here. hopefully they put on a good show. I mean, you got six matches now, however, listed, Howard, not counting the pre-show match I was at tonight. So, I mean, you got six matches already, so you better put on a good show. Indeed, well, you, well, you got to. I mean, the big thing, I mean, everyone's wondering how our, and we still haven't heard if it's official yet. I mean, they still, I'm sure, going to be having meetings. I mean, they, they're finishing up the show, obviously, tonight, how I remind you, in Manchester, New Hampshire. But, I mean, they're going to have to decide going into Saturday, however, really, in all honesty, however, they're going to have to really uh, decide, however, mind you, whether or not, however, it's going to be Randy and Jenner to close the show or it's going to be AJ and Kevin Owens. And I'm thinking you have to close it with AJ and KO. Well, certainly. I mean, it's always, it's always a debate as to what the main event of an upcoming pay-per-view is going to be. And, of course, like I said, with the caliber, of course, of the athletes involved in each match, you know, that kind of, that kind of really kind of determines, that kind of determines, you know, who is, who is, you know, which match will be, you know, should be ideal enough to, to have it at the very end, of course, as we'll refer to it as, um, as you know, the main event here. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Oh, and I do have some breaking uh, news. Speaking of uh, uh, yes. women, Howard, and we just got this in, Howard, through our friends at 
uh, Jeremy Thomas at Four Line Mania. There's reports now saying Ava Marie day, in her days on Total Diva, as has been speculated for a while now, is done. Pro Wrestling Sheet reports that the WWE star will not be appearing next season and that the show's producers are already interviewing the women on the roster to determine new cast members before filming begins next month. So after getting her release a while back, however, apparently, and her last appearance on the season finale, mind you, that aired last week, she will not be returning. And so far, however, it is still not clear if Paige will be back, but Nikki, Bree, Natty, and Naomi are considered a lock. Among some of the names they've considered, however, possibly, possibly now include Maria, Maria Canellis, however, who along with her husband, Mike Bennett, could be debuting as early as next Tuesday night, maybe, at SmackDown, however, after Backlash, however, believe it or not, however. Also, reports say, however, that possibly even, maybe, Charlotte Flair could be considered for Total Divas. It could be. I mean, you got, you got, you got several... All right, we got several good choices here. I mean, uh, of course, like I said, to kind of fill in that void. I mean, um, you know, I kind of think you know, like your uh, ladies, like uh, I mean, I thought Lana was pretty decent. Was yeah, pretty I think, decent. I think you bring her back. I mean, so I think bring, I'm not going to bring her back because I think they're going to do a whole new thing with her. However, mind you, and it's announced also next week on 205 Live in a street fight. It will be Akira Toaza along taking on the Brian Kendrick, and Cedric Alexander will be back in the ring as well. Oh, well, very good, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, now, getting back to this thing, of course, of course the, news, the story you just broke about Total Divas. Um, you know, they said, of course, obviously the Bellas are considered a lock, and Natalia and Naomi are considered a lock. Um, yeah, Nikki, Bree, and Natty are all considered locked. They haven't said anything yet. If Paige is returning, I like to see Renee Young come back. She was good this year. Yeah. I mean, that means yes. Trinity. Naomi should be back. I think she was pretty good this year. And if you want, maybe I don't know. Do you do Alicia Fox? Do you do maybe? I know she's not wrestling out much anymore, and she's being a mom. And I mean, you could bring back baby uh, Rosa again because Rosa was pretty good. But well, if you yes. bring, but if you bring Charlotte down into the roster, it's just like, do we really need to hear her attitude? And her narcissistic ability. I mean, seriously, that's going to drag the I show mean, way down. You, you should keep in mind, though. Keep in mind, though, that you know, especially, especially you know, with Natalia, you've seen different different moments of this show uh, in which you know she is talking with, of course, her uncle Bret Hart, and also, of course, her dad Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, so basically, you got like said the legendary wrestling connection there, who's made some brief appearances on that show. Charlotte Flair, you know, if she came on, you know, obviously you would you would have to consider the fact that, you know, there may be one or two brief appearances by her dad, yeah. uh, Rick Flair, in this. Uh, you got you got to ponder all that. Now, also you gotta look at your your roster, your women's roster on Raw, your women's roster on SmackDown. Heck, I, I, heck, I would even look, consider looking at the at the women's roster on in NXT. You know, do you do you bring like one one or two from each one from maybe each from each of these and maybe kind of maybe help fill that void? For example, um, now maybe for Raw. Uh, who do you have here? You got Bailey. You got Sasha. You got 
Dana Brooke, you got Nia Jax, you got Mickey James, you got Alexa Bliss. Um, like you said, Alicia Fox. Um, one of those, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who. Now, SmackDown, of course. Obviously, we did say that Natalia and uh, Naomi are, are are locked in, so they're 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 okay. But would you would you consider bringing in others, say like? And this is just like a shot. It's just an option. It's just a, a, a what if. That's also everyone. By all means, please do not add surprise. You know, throwing in like all the other female competitors involved. I mean, uh, Carmella, Becky Lynch. Um, you know, you 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 don't, but you don't know that. You don't know what you know what they they would consider doing. They're going to have to probably run down through every single female superstar and personality in WWE to see if they want an opportunity to be on a show like this. I mean, I don't know who would be the ultimate judges. I don't know if WWE would be the the judges. I don't know if the Bellas would be the judges. I don't know what the deal would be with that. Well, the Bellas, I'm sure, would have say because they're producers and everything like that. And like I said, they're good friends with Natty. Of course, we've seen, like I said, with Naomi, they've developed a close friendship, like I said. I mean, Obviously, I mean, like I said, I think Renee Young's done pretty well this year. Lana wasn't too bad. I mean, it took me a while to warm up to her, but Eva Marie, I think, was a big mistake from the word go. Uh, Maurice, I don't know. Think you want, I hope they don't bring her back. Because if you bring her and Charlotte in the same company like you did uh, with Ava and Maurice, that just, that spells disaster in my eyes. I mean, I mean Maurice and Charlotte together may, may, not, may not be a – May not be a pretty good set, but like I said, what you might have to consider doing is just like is just like what what I said here. You know, look at your roster from Raw, look at your roster from SmackDown, look at your NXT women's roster. You got a lot of great, a lot of great superstars. I know this is I know this is a show in which they get to highlight their personal uh, the personal side of these superstars. Sure, but I mean. Ultimately, it's it's one thing. Also, you have to think about is who does everybody want to know a whole lot about on a personal level? Yeah. And, and and you know, there's some of them. I don't think we really would. And I don't mean it ugly. I mean they're all very very talented, as I said before. Yeah. But do we really want to know a, a whole lot about some of these women? Some of them maybe. Some of them maybe not. But like I said, I'm sure the WWE. The, the, the WWE E, the Bellows, I mean, you got to have a lot of factors here as to who would have to say so. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to they're talk to them all, and they're going to say, okay, who, who, who wants to, you know, who wants to be a part of this show? Or could they just work it out to where they have, like, a small cast? I mean, if they did that, I mean, who, I mean, who knows they could do, that, do it that way? I don't know. But, like I said... Yeah, I mean they could give it as a tryout, maybe the first couple of se- couple episodes of, of, of the new season, and see how that works. I mean, if it doesn't work, then obviously they'll bring somebody in, maybe by the third or fourth episode of the new season, next season or something. I don't know. But like I said, I mean, for those who do watch it and all that, I mean, then maybe should they should start voicing their own opinion about it as well. So we'll just have to wait. But that's my own, like I said, personal take. I don't watch it that often. 
I have seen several clips of it on YouTube, including the one I think when they all got up, when they were all saddened, of course, about Dusty Rhodes when, when Dusty Rhodes passed away. That was one of the more emotional ones to watch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, so. I, 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 I mean, Michelle and I watch it, and I don't know if Gerard watches it or John watches it, but Michelle and I always on and off the air here and on all the shows I've talked about in the past. But this year, I mean. I mean, the last little bit of this year was good after they took the break, I think right before Christmas, and then Nikki produced the last few episodes, of course. This year's uh, season finale was last week, obviously, with SummerSlam. Uh, there were some good episodes this year, but I think this year it was up and down. And I mean, there were weeks it went like 550,000, 600,000 people. Next week it would drop down like a stone, 400, 400, 350,000. It's like, what, why aren't they watching? Well, it's because it's sort of like what Raw and SmackDown are. I mean... Up and down like a yo-yo. Right. I mean, of course, of course, you know, I don't think they would go this route. I don't think this person would accept it. But one that I don't think that anybody would probably want to know more about than they probably already know about this person would possibly be Stephanie McMahon. Oh God! But, don't bring her to the freaking. Yeah, yeah. Well, that might that might kind of kill it. That might be the buzz kill. I mean, she was featured in maybe some of, some of the first few episodes of that, from what I heard. She was on there, I think, just to promote like WrestleMania and everything. But she just was only there, to, like I said, do the whole warrior thing and talk to uh, I guess bringing them about it. I mean, just they showed. I mean, they showed her not as like uh, the heelish side of Stephanie that she is on TV. They just showed her as the office person, but as a main character like Maurice, like uh, Lawn, and that. If you make her a member of the cast, like I said, sort of like what Avery and those guys are, and show the heelish side of her as an office person, you, you cannot do that because she's always on the go, and she has too much to deal with, however, with her family and office stuff as well. They don't want to do that kind of drama, however, whereas you got Nikki, Bree, and John dealing with their things along with Daniel and everything like that. That's fine. They have their agenda, and they're happy uh, letting their lives be open. You do that with Stephanie and her family, Howard. You're just setting yourself up for a major disaster. Uh, that, you have a very valid point there, and uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens with it as they decide to, uh, as they openly decide about uh, who who will be next in line for the show. Total Divas. Now that as JD did just report a moment ago, uh, Eva Marie has been given her walking papers from that show. Anyway, getting back to what we're talking about on Sunday. Of course, our prediction show for WWE Backlash, and everyone will be giving their thoughts and opinions on on uh, who will win each match and all. And that will be this Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock right here on TalkShow.com. Call ID, of course, as always, same, same as tonight, one three eight zero five five pounds And our live video feed, ladies and gentlemen, will be from from a group that will start by one of our veteran WCWS members, Miss uh, Sarah Elizabeth Martin, the group called Ambrose Rollins Reigns Shield News. And that is Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Shield Cena News. It did used to have something about John Cena in the title, but she changed you the name. You're on the SmackDown opening, believe it or not, too. So it will be a uh, it will be a great show Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. And, of course, Attitude Radio will be a great one as well uh, coming up here on Saturday night. And speaking of Attitude Radio, I do have to once again, as I did mention on Raw Radio, and I think GTS did really get a good kick out of this when I when I revealed the news to him, of course, yesterday on uh, Raw Radio, that during our uh, talk shoot uh, download update between 
Power Hour this past Saturday night and our promotions Sunday night, that Top Heel Inc. did, did finally, we came with the final total, did have the most downloads of the history of, of that show, of that show, even when it was called, I think it used to be called Q&A with G the bad guy before he decided to change it to Top Heel Inc. Nine downloads, which was, and it could be not just that particular episode that he did last Sunday, it could have been also downloads of past episodes as well. But regardless of that, that's the most highest downloaded show this past, of this past week was Top Heel Inc. So congrats are, are in order. Even got more than Revolution did. So, I mean, like I said, at least like I said, a show that, you know, didn't have a whole lot, did not have a whole lot, you know, um, was not really, as the court is known, out there, of course, in the circles and all that, but um, of course, now with getting the word out more about it, then we obviously are getting uh, uh, getting um, getting the numbers up there for each of our shows here as well. And uh, so, so we'll have some we'll have some surprises each and every time there are downloads over over the weekend. So, once again, Top Hill Inc., ladies and gentlemen, for those you that, that did not hear on Raw Radio yesterday, uh, of course, Top Hill Inc. being as hosted by our own King and W.O. Joe T. Smith. And also, of course, has members of the NWO Madness Kingdom, of course, the Black Widow and the Iceman right here each and every Thursday night, right before NWO Wolfpack. For this past week, received, according to TalkShoe.com, nine downloads <clears throat> for this past week. And that is more than all the other shows that we did this past, that we did this past week, even the special uh, wrestling profile. I think it only got like one or two downloads, the one we did on Owen Hart. So... So we did we did tremendously. All of our shows are doing tremendously well, ladies and gentlemen. So continue to listen to all of the sh- all of our shows. We're two, over two years old now. We're over one thousand episodes strong. We're now over fourteen hundred hours strong, according to, I- to iTunes. Um, you know, so we are we are making a move. You know. How long we can make move? And if that's not all, as we talked about earlier too, uh, we did mention this though too. However, that yesterday was number ninety-three. However, next week will be number ninety-four. Yes. We're going to be coming up on July third. However, that'll be very historic. And of course, speaking of NWO Wolfpack, of course, tomorrow Thursday night will be episode number ninety-nine, and then next it leads up to next Thursday, May twenty-fifth, will be episode number one hundred of NWO Wolfpack next Thursday night, May 25th, where, of course, we'll be talking about the history of the show, you know, some great moments from the show. Uh, of course, in addition to our normal routine of news and views, history and birthdays, and some rest and extras. But, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the, most, the, biggest, the biggest part of this is that our own King and W.O. Jawar T. Smith, I am handing the reins over to him for the 100th episode of that show because, of course, as we do know him as, King NWO, we will have the NWO throne set up at the main microphone for Wolfpack next Thursday night, May 25th, 138-521-pound, and GTS will deliver, I'm sure, one of the uh, very monumental Wolfpack as it, as it would be number 100 next Thursday night. So be sure to listen into a lot of great stuff coming up here on the radio network here with this week and, of course, next week as well. Of course, like I said, Raw Radio, Wrestling Revisited, and tonight's Revolution, of course. And tomorrow night, we have Outside the Ropes, Wrestling Debate, and Revolution again. 
Then, of course, Thursday night will be Top Hill Inc. and NWO Wolfpack. And Friday night will be Revolution again. Then it'll be a double. It'll be another double dose on Saturday. Of course, first at Power Hour at four o'clock, and then Attitude Radio at eight. And then, of course, Sunday will be, of course, our special edition Revolution as we talk about WWE Backlash. So it will be a great show here, guys. And, and of course, my promo will become will be on later on Sunday night as well. Uh, and so it will be a tremendous show here. Tremendous. Uh, some tremendous moments here in the radio network here coming up here this week. <clears throat> well, guys, we have about 15 minutes uh, before we call it an evening. So what I propose, uh, let me see here. Let me see here. Uh, hmm. Let's see. Something that I can bring J.D. and John in on. I'm going to bring... We're, 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 what we're going to do is to kill the time here. We're going to, um, I'm going to definitely try to find a category of wrestling trivia that I don't think that you, that a lot of these I have talked about here before. Uh, now let's, let's, let me see here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's see. Uh, ooh, Jobber Safari. All right. Okay, let's let, let, let's see if we can te- let's see if we can uh, test uh, JD and John in talking about the Jobbers, or as Bobby Heenan used to call them, Ham and Eggers. Yes. Uh, the uh, the people underneath the prelim bums, the enhancement talent, of course, like that, or Bobby Heenan has called them. Ham and Eggers. So, J.D. and John, this would be all for you right here. Uh, we have, this is all, because y'all are the only ones on tonight. Then this, and this is, of course, uh, this is average difficulty. Uh, average score is 6 out of 10. But I think, I think the two of y'all will do tremendously. tremendously. All, right. all right, J.D. and John, listen very, very carefully. Question number one. Hector Guerrero is a great wrestler from the great wrestling family but he has had a few embarrassing gimmicks. Most notably, he was the gobbledygooker in the WWF. But he also did some work under a hood in the NWA. What science fiction-inspired character did Hector portray in the late 80s? Was it called Hotspot, Cyberman, Kilgore Trout, or Lasertron, J.D.? Lasertron. Lasertron. And, John, you said... All right, John says hot spot. So let's see here. Uh, J.D., are you satisfied with your answer? I am satisfied with my answer. John, are you satisfied with yours? By the way, John, your boys won 8-4 to four tonight, however. And John says he's satisfied with his, so I will take a lucky coin here that we have here in the studio. J.D., call it heads, heads. or tails? You say heads. Okay. It is tails. We go along with John's answer and say hot spot. But we'll check these answers at the end of the show. At the end of the at the end of the questions. Okay. Right. Question number two. This pudgy jobber 
said he was only one match away from the world title. He got his chance on November 9, 1985 against WWF champ Hulk Hogan. He lost. He also had the pleasure of losing to Ricky Steamboat, the Junkyard Dog, the British Bulldogs, and every other top WWF star of the mid-1980s. Who was this jobber that went on to be known as Super Mario? Was it Lou Albano, Rusty Griswold, Rusty Brooks, or Bob Hoskins? J.D.? I'm going to say C. You're going to say Rusty Brooks? Yes. John, what do you say? And while I'm getting John's answer with J.D., I will ask you, are you 100% sure you are saying Rusty Brooks? Yes, I'm sure. Okay. And John's also saying it too, so we'll click on Rusty Brooks. Question number three. These two blonde headed, pasty-faced brothers were definitely the two biggest jobbers in the NWA in the 1980s. They might just be the biggest jobbers of all time, as they had a fan following based on how on just how bad they were. What two brothers who were named Randy and Bill lost to everybody in the NWA? Was it the Baldwins, the Valiants, the Mulkies, or the Dibleys? J.D.? The Mulkies. The Mulkies. Okay. And John, and John was satisfied with his last answer, too, okay? Uh, and, J.D., are you satisfied with your answer? Yes. And, John, are you satisfied with yours? And just to give you guys an update, Golden State is up on San Antonio, 102.70, but the real story is one of the coaches of the Warriors was almost nearly arrested tonight while driving to the arena because he was apparently... Uh, trying to get to the arena on time, and the Spurs team bus was behind him the whole time. Believe it or oh. not. But they're up 103.70 now, and it looks like Golden State will go up 2 nothing as they head back to San Antonio, and it is 1-1 between Anaheim and Nashville right now in the hockey playoffs, but they are in the late third period there at the Oracle Arena in Oakland. It is 1-1, and it looks like, there's, yes, there's four minutes to go as Nashville has outshot Anaheim tonight. 38 to 20, believe it or not. Oh. In the Western okay. Final, of course, the Eastern Final will resume tomorrow night with Game 3 between Pittsburgh and Ottawa after Pittsburgh won last night 1 0. Thank you very much, Sir JD, for that update. We appreciate it. Question number four Conan had great success in Mexico, WCW, and TNA, but his only stint in the WWF was as a spaced out jobber. What was his name? Was it Astro Boy, Cosmo, Max Moon or Venus Flytrap, J.D.? It was Max Moon. Paul Dion was also Max Moon for a brief time, but Conan didn't last very long in the Max Moon gimmick, I remember. Okay. Uh, John? Gentlemen, are you satisfied with your answer? Yes. And John, are you satisfied with yours? Holy smoke. Trucker kill after container breaks loose in this match. Okay. Yeah. I'm satisfied with the two. Both say Max Moon. Okay, question number five. Having a famous father and brother in the business didn't help this mid-'80s WWF jobber from getting any victories. He only had any success after leaving the WWF and wrestling under a hood as the Zodiac. Was it Lanny Poffo, Barry O, Ed Leslie, or Lance Von Erich? 
Ed Leslie. Yeah, uh, John? John saying the same. J.D., are you satisfied with your answer? Yes. Okay, John, are you satisfied with yours? Order in the court. I don't have a cheeseburger. <laughs> okay, he's satisfied with that. Both say Ed Leslie. Halfway through here, guys, five more questions to go. All right, question number six. This NWA jobber finally got a break when he was christened Little Richard Marley and began managing the Freebirds. It didn't take long before they dumped him and he was back to doing jobs. Who was this regal wrestler? Was it Duke Hauser, King Friday? Rocky King or Nelson Royal? J.D. I'm going to say Rocky King. Okay. Uh, John, um, your thoughts here, please. J.D., are you satisfied with what you just said? Yes. Okay. John says the same thing. And John, are you happy with your answer too? God, freaking Lana thinks she's Nicole Kidman from Olaan Rouge in this. I'm watching uh, the new dance video from Lana. Looks like she's going to be trying to do a Nicole Kidman and Olaan Rouge scene here, however, when she makes a return. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Let's say Rocky Key will go along with that. Question number seven Barry Darso had great success as Smash. One half of the tag team demolition, but after demolition ended, he had his straight for Jabberville. Which one of the following corny gimmicks did Barry not get saddled with? Out of these four, listen very carefully. A, an annoying lifeguard. B, an angry golfer. C, a repo man. Or D, a mean bully. J.D. I want to say lifeguard. I'm going to say lifeguard, okay. John. And JD, are you satisfied with your answer? Yes. John, are you satisfied with yours? What are they coming? All right, let's say live go or that's what we will put down. All right, question number eight. This WCW jobber used to bring a guitar with him to ringside. But unlike Jeff Jarrett, he never hit anybody with it. But just like Jeff Jarrett, he never played it either. What jobber went from being heavy metal to being disassociated to getting a wrestling promotion? Was it A, Man Mountain Rock, B, Esteban, C, Rad Bradford, or D, Van Hammer? J.D. I'm going to say Man Mountain Rock. Man Mountain Rock, okay. John? And now we've got another match that's now listed for uh, Backlash. Baron Corbin versus Sami Zayn. So now we're at seven. 
Oh, my goodness. That's, that's, that's going to be another great encounter as well. And like I said, we'll definitely be doing some talking about this coming up here uh, on uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon before the show. Uh, John also says, Man Mountain Rock. J.D., are you satisfied with your answer? Yes. John, are you satisfied with yours? Okay, let's say Man Mountain Rock, and that's what we will go with. Question number nine. Ron Reyes, R-A-R-E-I-S, was literally a giant jobber. While he was a member of Raven's flock in WCW, he routinely lost to guys he should have been able to step on, like Rey Mysterio Jr. and Juventud Guerrero. He first showed up in WCW covered in bandages and looking like a mummy, but what was he called instead? Was it A, the zombie, B, the fat guy in bandages, C, the wendigo, or D, the yeti? J.D. It's the yeti! Okay, John? J.D., are you satisfied with your answer? I'll be right back. Yes, I'm told on my answer. Okay, all right. And, John, are you satisfied with yours? Okay, both say the Yeti, and we will go along with that. And, and I will pause for just one second while we wait for JD to return. Uh, and, then, uh, and there he is. Okay, that didn't take very long. We got one more question here to go, guys, before we find out how we did with this uh, with this quiz. Question number ten: Barry Horowitz is an inspiration to all those lifelong jobbers that hope one day they can have at least one winning streak. Who did Barry Horowitz beat to start his only winning streak in the WWF? Was it Zip, Flip, Pip, or Skip? J.D. Is this one again? Barry Horowitz. Uh, He was known as one of the following. Which one was it again? Skip, Zip, Hip, or Skip? No, no. Zip, Flip, Pip, or Skip? Flip. The only one that he had, who did he beat the stars only did Barry Horowitz beat the starters on only winning. Streak. I'm gonna say flip. You're saying flip. Flip. I don't give a flip. I don't I'm give just, a flip. <laughs> no, I'm just John says skip. Uh, JD, are you satisfied with your answer before? I... Yeah. Okay, and. John says skip, so we've got to do the coin toss again. J.D., call it heads or tails? Heads. You're saying heads again, okay. Well, son of a gun, John John did it again with, with, with tails, and so we have to go along with his answer and say All skip. Right. All right, guys, let's see how we did here, and good luck to both of you. All right. Uh, question one, I'm talking about Hector Guerrero. What science fiction char- 
inspired character did he, did he portray in the late 80s? We went along with John's answer and said Hotspot, but J.D., you were correct. It was Lasertron. He did actually have a few victories over some of the other jobbers in the NWA. At the 87 Great American Bash in Atlanta, Lasertron defeated Mod Squad Spike. It was not exactly a career-making victory. Uh-huh. Question number two. Uh, this pudgy jobber, uh, of course, he... Uh, Lost to Hulk Hogan, also Steamboat, JYD, the British Bulldogs, who was also known as Super Duper Mario. It was actually uh, Rusty Brooks, and y'all were correct on that. Rusty spent a lot of time on his back, but he sure had a whole bunch of TV time. Question number three. Um, the the two the blonde-headed, pasty-faced brothers, the biggest jobbers in the NWA in the 80s, Names are Randy and Bill. It was, in fact, the Mulkies. The Mulkey brothers finally scored a victory on WCW Saturday night, defeating the team of George South and Gary Royal. They declared the, the beginning of Mulkey Mania and never won a match again. <laughs> okay. Number four, of course, Conan was had had one little stint in the WWF as a space style jobber. It was indeed Max Moon. And here's some news uh, oh. about the thing about the Moss Squad. They were known as Jim Jefferson Spike, who uh, was one of them sadly passed away in February of 2013. The other one was known as Mac Jefferson or Basher. They debuted in 1984. They competed in Mid-South, Southern, Central uh, States Wrestling, Connell Wrestling Association, and Championship Wrestling from Florida. They held a tag team championship of Central States once, Florida tag team championship once, and the AWA Southern tag team championship once. They were known as the Jeffers believe it or not. And in March of 86, they defeated the Fantastics to win the AW Southern Tag Team Championship. They decided to move their uh, Tag Team Championship onto the team of Giant Hillbilly, Uncle Elmer, and Jerry Lawler a few months later on June 23rd. By the end of that year, the Moss Squad had moved to another territory working for CWA in Kansas City. Thank you very much there, J.D. And what about Max Moon? Say Paul Diamond was the guy who replaced Conan in the Max Moon suit. When K-Dog quit the McMahon Empire, and, but no one, ever, no one ever noticed the difference. There you go. <laughs> Number five right here, uh, whose famous father and brother uh, didn't have this mid-'80s jobber get any victories. He only had success after leaving the WWF and resident under a hood as the Zodiac. Uh, JDU and John both said Ed Leslie. It was Barry O. Ooh, I thought that was... Him, however, okay. Barry O was the son of Bob Orton Sr. and the brother of Bob Orton Jr. He is, of course, Randy Orton's uncle. I'm sure Randy gives Uncle Barry a call whenever he needs advice on doing an important job. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Randy, what about the comments he made this week, however, that raised a little stink? We kind of talked a little bit about that. He raised some comments about the Indies, how Gerard mentioned it yesterday, however, if you remember on Raw Radio, we talked a little bit about that, and that's one of the things we discussed a little. Well, that right there, I mean, it's like I said before, I mean, when you get to be a big-time name in this in, in, in any sort of business, like, of course, you know, I'm sure not just applies to wrestling, but, of course, it applies to stuff like happening in Hollywood and all that, too, yeah. that, you know, they always want to look down at 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 those who are, who are just coming in to whatever business it is, and, you know, that, and but they're going to start thinking right away, 
okay, he's coming to take my spotlight, he, he or she's coming to take over my scene and all that, and I'm not, it's not going to have it, and I don't give a darn about these new folks whatsoever and all. I'm going to continue to do what I can to hold on to this spot for as long as I possibly possibly can do it. Yeah. And so that's probably what Orton, one thing Orton was saying, but, you know, you know, or, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, Orton started out started out small, too, even though I know that, yes, he came in from, you know, family. I mean, he was part of, of course, the wrestling family, of course, his grandfather and his father, and, of course, like we mentioned here, his uncle was, of course, in the business. Uh, you know, that doesn't give you, that, that does not mean, you know, just because that, that might you know, give me a little bit of a push in getting in, you know, getting on TV and being becoming a permanent fixture in the wrestling world. That does not give you the right to go and badger those who are actually working a little bit more. And don't get me wrong, I think Orton's a tremendous superstar. There's no doubt about that. Uh-huh. But the thing about it is, is that you know he should you know have enough respect for those who are doing their best to get their foot in the door. Uh-huh. You know they're actually trying and giving their shot. So you know, yeah. that's that's want to see what happens is if there are any repercussions. With, with what he said, and now obviously it may not be because obviously he hasn't really said anything, and um, they kept the most key quiet. They're keeping the low key, staying in the dark because they want to remain within that PG atmosphere. And of course, if Orton did say anything out of that realm, they don't want to have anything to do with it. So I mean, they want they want to stay like under their own little umbrella. So uh-huh. there you go. Uh, question number six, of course, is NWA jobber was Chris and Will Richard Marley who is with the Freebirds. Of course, they dumped him. It was actually, and y'all were right, it was Rocky King. Believe it or not, there's an interesting note about this, though. Rocky King was actually homeless before he got hired by Crockett Promotions in the 80s. So he was probably happy to get any work, even if it involved doing a job. Okay. That's an interesting point of view. Number seven, of course, talking about uh, Barry Darso. the one he never had, he never did, was an annoying lifeguard. So y'all got that right there as well. Yeah, and of course, of course, I said the angry golfer bit was actually kind of funny. He would miss his putt into the little portable golfing cup, and then get angry about it. And that's motivation to wrestle. Yes, it is. But I think he's still alongside his old demolition partner. And I think yeah, we've all we've all talked about him. Yeah, that they should go in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, next year they get their call. Well, if the Rock and Roll Express did, I mean, I'm sure Demolition won't be too far behind, in my opinion. Yep. So, there you go. And number eight, of course, if there's somebody jobber, he's, of course, bringing a guitar with him, guitar with him to the ring, but he never played it. Uh, but he went from being heavy metal to being disassociated to getting a wrestling promotion. Uh, both you and John said, Man Mountain Rock, y'all are going to be shocked when I tell you this. The answer was Van Hammer. Van Hammer. Shoot. When Hammer joined the military theme, Misfits in Action, he was originally to be called Private Stash. In reference to a certain leak. Yeah, we had Hugh G. Rexon, uh, Lieutenant Loco. Oh. Lieutenant Loco was Chavo, if you remember, and then Private Stash. I should have done that one. Yeah. Uh, I think when, um, that, 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 that wrestler uh, from Louisiana, I can't think of what his name was. Lieutenant Raging Cajun. Yeah, Lash LaRue. Lash LaRue was... Uh, Lash LaRue was in that, too, but I forget what he was called. I'll find, um, I, I, I think I know what it is. Let's see. Lieutenant Loco, 
UGRaction, Private Stash. Uh, I'll find. I'm yeah. sure. I'll, we'll have to look into that. I know what it is. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can remember this too. Corporal Cajun. That's what it was. That's was Corporal Cajun. That's it. Yep. Corporal Cajun. That's what it was. And of course, you had Major Guns. Ay ay ay. Uh, yeah. The boy, they were Major Guns. <laughs> well, she's had Major Guns, and we know about her uh, outside of uh, wrestling interests. However, she was also yep. a member. Or she has group, been... and uh, she's done some uh, other work. Let's just say, however, when she hasn't. Had that done, let's just say she's uh, made right. herself useful, however. And then, of course, like I said, I mean, um, of course, in, in those in those things, she's actually kind of uh, kind of uh, locked and loaded on them, and boy, she went to town on them. That's all I gotta say. Anyway, finish off the thing about Van Hammer. Hammer did not want to be the lowest ranked member of the group, so it was changed to Major Stash. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh question number nine. Question number sorry about that. Question number nine, of course, Ron Reyes was uh, uh he was covered in bandages at WCW, looked like a mummy, but it was in fact the Yeti. The Yeti attacking Hulk Hogan and Halloween Habit ninety five was one of the most surreal moments in wrestling history, especially since Reyes was wrapped so tight in those bandages that all he could do was sort of hump Hogan. You know, <laughs> someone, there are a lot of people talked about that incident. That's one of the most, in fact, I think in the 50 greatest moments of WCW, like the OMG moments, that's one of the moments they do talk about, though. Yeah, oh, yes, it is. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and believe it or not, here, of course, Barry Horowitz, uh, JD, I think you said flip, and John said uh, skip. Yes, and believe it or not, John was right. It was skip. Barry won the PWI Most Inspirational Wrestler of the Year Award in '95 after dominating Skip, who of course we all also remember as Chris Candido, in a series of matches during that summer. Eventually, of course, he returned to being a jobber. So. And, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll report the average score for the quiz. Like I said, it's 6 out of 10. J.D. and John tonight made it a 7 out of 10. So, tremendous job here, guys. Tremendous job. And, of course, our, some of our wrestling trivia here. On the, as we went on the Jobber Safari. So, uh, <clears throat> indeed, indeed. So, uh, we'll definitely... Uh, Definitely, like I said, when we bring these, uh, when we bring these, um, uh, rest through this wrestling trivia and all of that, our folks know their stuff. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, <clears throat> let me see here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, of course, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night, of course, will be our Triple Threat Wednesday, as, of course, J.D. and I will be bringing you the latest, uh, pop culture headlines, of course, on WWS Outside the Ropes tomorrow night at 6.30 30 of course, that call ID is one four one three eight seven pound. From eight to nine, as far as we know, wrestling debate should be going on as scheduled. Uh, versus the NWO, the NWO Madness Kingdom, there GTS, the Black Widow, and the Iceman will be bringing you another moment here. Of course, it could be from something present or something from the past. You know that big time discussions and debates. Uh, wrestling debate here tomorrow night from 8 to 9. Of course, call ID 139925. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, 
WCWUS Revolution once again will be coming to you uh, <clears throat> from uh, will be coming to you here with our latest wrestling news and views, our latest history and birthdays, and of course uh, our thoughts and opinions on everything going on. Uh, on our thoughts and opinions, of course, on what took place tonight on SmackDown, and of course our live video feed, of course, through the Radio Network Group Tour will be, of course, in the group dedicated to what was now the WWE, was once called the WWWF, of course, WWWF US, beginning of history, of course, will be the home of our live video feed for episode 334 tomorrow night. And, of course, uh, in addition to the news and views, the history of birthdays, and the SmackDown talk, of course, we'll be bringing you some more big-time uh, things there, including some wrestling extras, and some more thoughts about backlash coming up here, and then maybe adding a match or two more to like we just heard, but uh, J.D. just mentioned that the, a match between, I do believe you said, J.D., uh, Sami Zayn and Baron Corbin is supposed yeah, to be Yeah, they've now, they, I guess, sometime announced it tonight, and like I said, we heard earlier today on the pre-show, was broke earlier this afternoon by Renee Young, and has been confirmed to us now, Ty Dillinger, the Perfect Ten, will take on Aiden English, however, and now it looks like Baron Corbin and Sami Zayn will get their uh, feud continuing, however, mind you. Okay, we do thank you very much, sir, J.D., for giving us the date on that. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to thank the Iceman, J.D., Jared DiGirolamo, and the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, for joining us, joining us here tonight. Uh, of course, we did not get a chance to hear from King Classy here tonight, King and W.O.G.R.T. Smith, and the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds. Obviously, something, I'm sure a couple things did, ha- did happen here. Of course, we do know, uh, we do still continue to say a prayer for uh, uh, GTS's family, of course, you know, last week with, uh, um, with you know, uh, the medical condition that his mother did suffer from, of course, the bad knee. Of course, we did hear that the, that the surgery did go great, and she is at home resting now, even as we speak. Um, but we have not heard any other updates about seeing how, seeing how she is doing. But hopefully we'll hear some more updates from King NWO here coming up here tomorrow or in the next couple of days. Uh, <clears throat> and also the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds, of course, I'm sure is, was getting her, uh, I'm sure we had to take care of a few things, of course, helping out her son with something or something along those lines. But uh, both. But of course, you better believe that they will they will be back on. So there's no there's no problem. there's no doubt about that whatsoever. So for ladies and the Iceman JD Jerry Geralmo and the Human Space Machine John Gross, this is Mr. WWUS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you so much for joining us here tonight for episode three 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 triple three of the Mothership Broadcast Revolution here for tonight May sixteenth two thousand and seventeen, and we will join you tomorrow night of course for our Triple Threat Wednesday. Like I said, outside the ropes, wrestling debate, and WWS Revolution. Revolution is a broadcast of the WWS radio network right here on TalkShoot.com. Well, we're two years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Gentlemen, take care of yourselves and each other. See you in the ring. And as always here in the radio network, God bless.